Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Week eight in the NFL with the worst team in the league, the Jets, travels to the defending Super Bowl champions. What could possibly go wrong? We're not going to focus on the Chiefs, though. We're focusing on the potential next head coach of the Jets. Our Chiefs beat writer, Nate Taylor, is going to join the show. We're going to talk about Eric Bieniemy. We're going to take some of your questions as well. If you've been with us throughout the last half hour as we attempted to stream this show live, congratulations. We all made it here, and thanks for sticking with us. Connor, explain. Yeah, so here's the thing. So I... I I, w- I remember I went on our YouTube page like last week, two weeks ago, our YouTube channel, and I was looking over it and I was seeing like it looked bland. So I went to other YouTube pages. I was like, why do these people have like sections and pictures and, and time? So I was like, I finally, had, I got down this wormhole at like one thirty in the morning while texting Marissa. About, and who, like, who added helped, you know, producer of the year over she here. Did. Yeah, she did. She made a lot of it significantly better. And like I was tinkering and making differences and making changes and all this stuff and like changing the pictures and adding closed captions and having it. So like now in our, our little logos on the bottom, right? All this crazy stuff. So I'm doing all this and and I found it. you can add sections and I found this section where you can schedule a podcast like you can schedule the next show. And I was like, oh, that would be really cool because when you schedule the next show, what you can do and this is all like kind of more viewership reason, but you can add your headline in, you can add your YouTube tags in, you can add your YouTube uh, episode description, all of this stuff. So I was like, all right, here we go. Let's give it a shot. So I scheduled this this thing and I scheduled it for seven o'clock and I thought like we would just fire it up and go. <laughs> Without it testing exactly... it. Oh, Comment if up... you think it was a surprise that Connor wanted to test this out at 6.50 for a seven o'clock podcast. <laughs> yeah, See, I went to the first store. If comment if you're surprised by that. If you I, was at, I had things, I, you I did like the player access. I didn't have that much time. I haven't had a chance to get to the fish you store. You didn't have that, that much time. Okay, after... I'll be home in an hour. And then what did you do? I, for the record, I totally forgot that I said that. And then I got home and was like, oh, we have the podcast at seven. I got to get a quick lift in at the gym. And then went to the gym. And then I'm I sitting came here home. waiting to test, trying. You should have texted experiment. me. You know me better than that. You know me by now, Marissa. Like, you, you know, you got to like, remind me. I'd forget <laughs> my head if it wasn't attached. You got to like text me and be like, hey, we're supposed to test this. And be like, oh, shit, that's right. And then I'll immediately come home and test it. But yeah. but hey. My what? Well, we'll, it's not all bad. Wi-Fi is fixed. I got I knocked that out of the drum. So there's no more connection errors. We're we're hardlined in here. We're we got a special guest joining us on the show. We do. Yeah. Nate Taylor is going to be joining us. Tim's already made me depressed. I'm on this is like a fake smile at the moment because Tim's already brought up the barbecue that I'm not having this uh, this year. That's I'm a Jack Stack fan, by the way, when it comes to Kansas City barbecue. I went there a bunch covering baseball when the Royals were good for that brief stretch. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jack Stack is the best one. But. I like no, they don't deliver to New Jersey, so you're right. <laughs> I went uh, Q39, which was like I think oh, I haven't been there. Where, okay, yeah, that one's it's like more of like a sit down restaurant. So the one is um, so is Jack's what's the one Stack, in the gas yeah. station? Joe, which Joe's is, is in the gas station. Joe's in, it's Oklahoma Joe's, right? Yeah, in Kansas City. Yep. Yeah, so that one is the one everyone talked about, but that's like in a gas station. You just kind of get your whatever and you go eat it. Q39 is like a sit down restaurant, and that was the first year that I traveled on the beat in 16. Was when uh, I went to Q39 with the, with the beat, and it was. Amazing. Like this, this year, man, was going to be so special. Like this, this road schedule was going to be so amazing for a beat rider. Cause you guys know I'm a foodie. So I was getting Seattle. I was getting LA twice. We were getting Kansas city. Then the Miami, like it lined up so perfectly. Like it was the only bad trip was Indy. Like that was literally it. And everything else was going to be so perfect. And like, I've been talking about this road schedule since 2016. And now looking at it and it's like, it's over. Like it's 2020. Well, we're Ugh. we're talking 2021. We're going to be optimistic on this podcast today. The next next go. road yeah, schedule sucks. Ahead. 
sucks. There's nothing good. I think there's a chance. Well, the one positive is that it's probably going to, it's the AFC West same place finisher. So that's probably either going to be, that's probably going to be the Chargers because Chargers are probably going to finish last in the AFC West. So I will get an LA trip. Yeah, I'll be LA next year, but still, that's kind of upsetting. That's almost as upsetting as not being able to get this scheduled. I had like the perfect thumbnail picture of Eric Bianami and Nate was going to join us and it was going to be well, all. Well, Nate's still going to join us, hopefully. He is hopefully. still going to join Although us. Although if he yeah. saw, if he tried to tune in, he may be like, I'm not joining that amateur show. I, you know what's anyway. funny is when we finally got this scheduled thing to work, because we did. We ended up figuring it out and getting it to work at the end. It's just I had the live and chat. And by we, we mean me. What? It's on your account. I can't see it. I was like, you're you're like, I don't know how to put the product key. And I was like, Marissa, I don't see your, I don't know. I didn't see your screen. I was like, uh, I'm just going to guess what's there. Is there like a settings button? Is there like three dots? Is there like a more option? Oh, it was, yeah, it was. And then Marissa and I started yelling at each other, which is great. And yeah, <laughs> yeah that was like, I, I was basically like, hey, if Bo podcast. needed this solved, I'm sure it would have been done yesterday. Annoying. <laughs> yeah. All, All right, right. Let's so, get to the trade deadline. So, Jets, huh? Trade deadline's coming up on Tuesday. And there was all this talk, Connor, this week, of course, about Quinn and Williams. But then. Adam Gase came out and said, "Real quick, nothing- wait, wait, Tim, not to interrupt yes. you. I do have to ask Mar- Marissa: oh, Are you running my Twitter right now, or am I running my Twitter?" <laughs> see what? See, I really hope you guys could understand what it's like <laughs> producing a show for Connor Hughes. I just need to know if you're running my Twitter. Long, I don't he doesn't start think I tweeting. produce other shows, and anytime I'm working on anything else. It's like, oh, you don't love our show as much as everybody else. Now, are you running my Twitter for me? <laughs> like, he thinks he's like this celebrity. Like, sure, Connor, I'll run your Twitter. Well, I figure I was like, she monitors like the chat and she gathers the questions and she knows like what our next segment is. So for me, it's like when I try to do the Twitter, I'm like, all right, Tim and I are talking like the majority of the time. So it's like, all right, I got to pause right. to quote tweet myself to like tweet out the promo. Like, hey, we're talking about this now. Come join in and come listen. So it's like, that's like what I'm usually thinking. So it's like, oh, wait, if Marissa just knows what we're talking about, just throw out the quick tweet, quote tweet it. But I just realized I was like, am I going to quote tweet this right now and then have Marissa also be quote tweeting it? And I was actually hoping that I was going to ask that right after we finally figured out all the schedule thing. You'd be like, oh, by the way, are you also running my Twitter? So I wasn't, but like, actually, are you? Or do you want me I, to do it? I will. I will go on. You're, You're getting okay, killed cool. in the chat, Connor. Oh, I'm sure I am. Trade Connor for anything. That's oh, that's a kid from my. Time. I knew. I knew Wes in high school. That's, how, <laughs> uh, that's, that's right. my buddy. Hashtag cancel Connor. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so so anyway, trade deadline. Quinn and Williams. Adam Gase says not going to happen. Now the the one thing that stood out to me about this is that he said Adam Gase spoke to Quinn and Williams. Joe Douglas spoke to Quinn and Williams. It's like a whole new Jets team, Connor. They're actually speaking to the players about these <laughs> trade rumors and making sure that it doesn't get blown up in the press and become an ugly situation like we've yeah. seen happen before. So at least if one thing, they're, they're learning how to handle these situations because trade rumors are going to happen. And if you don't talk to the player about it, you get a Jamal Adams situation. But they got out in front of this one to a degree. And it seems like Quinn Williams isn't going anywhere unless – a king's ransom comes back the other way. But that said, is there still a chance the Jets, um, you know, do something over these next four days? Obviously, they've already made some moves. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because like you can put it's it's actually it's actually pretty funny now how things can blow up because I remember like the Athletic had us like our editors had us do every beat writer for every team had us do like a players that could be traded kind of thing. And so I put like five Jets on there and I threw Quinn and Williams on there and basically said like the Jets haven't had any serious calls, which is what I knew from talking people over there. But hey, if they get one, maybe they'll make it happen. And I was playing golf and I looked down on my phone and I get a push notification from like Bleacher Report and it's like Jets shopping Quinn and Williams but haven't had any serious calls and then in parentheses, the athletic. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm the athletic. I was like, I didn't. It was I didn't me. Report any. Yeah, I was like, I didn't, re- I didn't report it. So like, I go and like, I, I, I open up the article and sure enough, it's like Jets, Jets shopping Quinn. This is like two weeks ago, like Jets shopping Quinn and Williams, but no hard offers yet. But they might deal them for blah blah blah. And I'm like, huh? I was like, I don't, I didn't report that. I was like, I kind of wrote like what I thought would happen. I was like, but that wasn't like a per source or like source says. I was like, that was just wait, that's me. And like, I, I called someone over the Jets. I was like, cause I knew I was going to get out. I was like, dude, just so you know, I was like, I'm not like reporting this. I, I don't, it just got blown out. But then obviously like two weeks later, it was reported by somebody. And that's when like we reached out and the Jets very concretely, which is when I like had done some digging on it. I was kind of told like 
no, we're not shopping him. It, we would have to get like a real legitimate offer for, for us to deal him. I thought it was going to be one thing. Obviously, it ended up being something else. And then they kind of came out and said, no, Quinnen's going to be a part of us unless we are blown away. So the Jets are going to have to get like a Jamal Adams type ransom for Quinnen Williams to deal him, which would be two first round picks, a first round pick or a second and or multiple twos and a three, like something crazy in order to deal Quinnen Williams. And they're not going to get it. I mean, they haven't had a chance to get it. They haven't had anything sent out that would that would make them think anything of it. I mean, what, the what, way that I was described or it was described to me was kind of like, Nothing serious had been brought out where it was a discussion that Adam Gase and Joe Douglas had to have together. No, no legitimate calls like that. Teams had checked in, like teams always check in, but it was never a legitimate offer that was made to say like, we need this or we need that, blah, blah, blah. So no, I mean, Quinn and Williams isn't getting dealt. Jets aren't willing to move him. He's kind of back in that same boat as Sam Darnold, which is that the Jets need to end this season knowing what they have in Quinn and Williams. They need to end this season knowing that this guy is a top-tier defensive lineman or the next Leonard Williams. They need to know Aaron Donald, Leonard Williams, which one is he or is he somewhere in between? And, and you know, that that's kind of their focus. And if it is, Quinn and Williams is the upper echelon. I mean, they've got a really big key piece in this defense on his rookie deal for the next two years plus a fifth-year option. And, and if not, then the Jets can look to deal him in the offseason. So Quinn is not going to be somebody that's moved and – I think the other guys that you're going to start looking at as potentially guys that would be moved are, you know, the Jordan Jenkins, the Marcus Mays, the Avery Williamson, uh, that kind of group. But even then, it's it's probably going to be a little uh, it's going to be a little difficult to get something like that done. And Williams has flashed this year. I'll say that last yeah. year it was kind of like, OK, this is this is worrisome this year. It's been OK if, if he can do that more consistently. We have a player here and he just hasn't. And Gase actually talked about this week about that, too. The fact that the motor has to be better from play to play and to know that you got to go from play one to play 60 100 percent in this league. It's the NFL. If you're going to be that dominant player that that we all hope that he wants to be. Um, one other thing that I wanted to bring up just because it, it came out of Gase's speaking today, I think was, was Joe Douglas being excited in the office this week, which is hard to imagine for a team that's 0-7. But you brought it up, Connor, on Twitter that when you look at who's going to be on the field this weekend, suddenly we're seeing basically the draft class is yep. going to be in action. And it, it's kind of a glimpse into the future for an 0-7 team. So that's kind of where we're at. And it is reason, like, in a dark moment when you're 0-7, you need to grasp those things. And seeing all those guys suit up is is good. Yeah, I, I'm actually getting, like, eviscerated by my by my fellow beat writers for that, for that question that I asked because I kind of realized. I was like, hey, I was like, Joe's got, like, his whole draft class. So the way that I worded it in the uh, press conference was, does Joe have a little pep in his step is what I said. <laughs> and immediately when I said it, I was like, Kaz is going to rip me apart for that one. And sure enough, like as soon as like the Jets were like, okay, that's enough for Adam. You know, we'll have players later. Kaz goes, some pep, huh, Connor? And I was like, oh my God. I looked down at my phone, like the group chat of the Jets beat writers is blowing me up. I've already gotten ripped on Twitter by Andy Vasquez. Kaz took me down on Twitter. I mean, I'm getting destroyed for that pep in his step, but it's true. Like as a general manager, this season is not gone. Now Joe Douglas wanted. He's got to be miserable when thinking about this season. And, you know, he thought... The Jets were going to be turning a corner, not Super Bowl, but they were going to compete for the playoffs. They were going to, you know, be be a, an ascending and improving team. And instead, they got an offense that can't score, a defense that can't stop the opponent from scoring, and basically a, a coach that that everyone realizes is on his way out. And it's all going bad. You know, everything's going bad. Everything's going bad. No, nothing has gone right. They're zero and seven, winless. You know, this might literally be an zero and sixteen team. But for for a general manager, you know, one thing you can hang your hat on and kind of be a little bit excited about, and at least have something to look forward to is his draft class is pretty much playing. You know, I mean, Makai Becton is your starting left tackle. Denzel Mims is now your starting receiver. Ashton Davis with Bradley uh, McDougald out. He's going to be your starting safety. LaMichael P. Ryan, although he's not your starting running back, he's going to play nearly double the snaps that Frank Gore plays. You know, Braden Mann, your starting punter. You're going to have other guys, you know, Jabari Zuninga, a guy who the Jets believed is going to be their Brandon Graham, their Justin Tuck, you know, that, that type of player um he's the that guy is going to be involved as well and he's going to be the guy that's making plays as well and and potentially having a role here uh for for the Jets on Sunday so if you're Joe Douglas and you want to see the future and want to get get a feather in your cap like you know what something can be going on here 
this is going to be it this Sunday. And and we got a little glimpse of it on that touchdown drive when you had Mekhi Becton paving the way for P. Ryan and you had Mems making grabs and the Jets going all the way down the field and scoring a touchdown. You're going to get that amplified even more because you are going to have guys here, um, the rookie class, starting, playing, and, and hopefully having some success against a, a premier team in the Chiefs. Well, perfect timing because our friend, Mr. Nate Taylor, is joining us right now to talk about Eric Bieniemy and the Chiefs. Nate, how you doing? Good, good. I'm doing well. Thank you, guys. No problem, man. So uh, for, for the, uh, like, I guess Marissa kind of let in there is that um, Nate obviously covers Chiefs for us. Uh, our, our fellow uh, Kansas City guy, I always love catching up with him at the owners meetings, the combine, the senior bowl, whenever yeah. you get a chance and see him. I'll be honest though, man, I'm kind of uh, a little ticked off that I'm not going to be able to, we were just talking about it before. I'm not going to be able to uh, to share an expense report with you for uh, for some Q39 or Oklahoma Joes or some kind of KC. This was one. This was a trip, dude. Like, I went to KC in 2016, and I loved it. Like, yeah. well, you guys have, like, that block of bars down there, which is awesome. Q39, yep. you just can't. And I'm in Jersey. Like, Italian food, fine. We got it. Like, the barbecue, that I bow to you guys because we don't have anything yep. like that out here in Jersey, man. So I'm, I'm a little upset over that. Yeah, it's it's been weird. Like the only person I think that has been in Arrowhead for a road game is is our guy Tashawn Reed from the, you know, who covers the Raiders for us. I think everybody else has been has not been yeah. around. I know Aaron Reese, Aaron Reese came for the for the home opener. So I guess I guess it's been two yeah. people. But yeah, I haven't taken anybody to like Joe's or Gates or or uh, or Q thirty nine, which is really popular. Jack Stack is in the plaza, so. It's been weird, man. I, I missed going to Baltimore. I'd never been there. I missed going yeah. to LA. I'm going to miss going to Las Vegas for the first time. But uh, at least we get to watch, you know, football. Uh, you know, well, you're, you're watching football. I don't know what I'm watching. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not watching football, dude. I'm telling you what, man. I'm seven weeks into this thing. This ain't football. <laughs> I go home and watch the Chiefs to see what football is like. <laughs> I know I'm here mostly for comedy and some news purposes, but man. Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't watch the second half. Like I knew <laughs> what occurred in the second half, but I was like, nah, I I, I can't game past this even on the condensed version. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be weird to see defending champions, worst team in the league. Like I'm sorry, Jets fans. Like I pray for you guys from a football <laughs> perspective. Like it's just it's so bad uh from for one team to be in the wilderness and to and to know that like I mean the team's tanking, right? Kind of they're they're completely tanking. They're unintentionally tanking. Like that's the crazy it's, thing. It's like, wild. Like, yeah, they didn't. They didn't expect it. Like they actually thought going. Like they didn't think Super Bowl. They didn't think like a legitimate. Right. They thought they compete for the playoffs. Like with that extra wild card spot, they'd be in there, and things have just spiraled. Like injuries have hurt. I think the the regression of a lot of players, like Sam, has hurt. Like they, but they no. That's the thing. It's like in 2017 when the Jets like let go after that 16 season was so bad. That was when like Brandon Marshall and Sheldon Richardson nearly killed each other. And like Revis declined, like all that like crap. Yep. After that season, McCagden blew it all up. Like David Harris was gone. Brandon Marshall, Decker, like that was tanking. Like that was, if we win games, cool. If not, we're drafting a quarterback. So that's kind of what we're going into. Right. This yep. year was not that. And I think that it's, that's one of the reasons why it's been so volatile within the fan base, why it's been so disheartening for those in the front office and, and ownership is that they didn't see this. And now that the fact they are this bad, it's kind of like a, whoa, we need to, uh, we need to redirect ourselves. But before we start to pick your mic, obviously Eric B is the thing that everyone yep. wants to know about uh, live chats, obviously rocking and rolling. So if anyone in the live chat has any questions for Nate on the chiefs on the enemy, anything like fire away. And, and we'll try to, open that up for you before the end of this too, to, to try to uh, get some, get some fan questions as far as you guys are, are asking them. But I think the first thing, man, is that at least what I want to start with is that the enemy is the guy that everyone talks about. Like he is the yep. the premier top tier, the, the, the going to be the, the top head coaching candidate on the market. Everyone kind of wants him. So I see him on the sideline. I don't know anything other, about him other than right. his name. So what kind of a coach is he? Is he like, the fiery screaming in your face? Is he more reserved? I mean, what kind of a coach is, is Biennemi? He in some ways would be very perfect for New York. If that possibility were to play out, um, I think the Johnson family should interview him. Right. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. Come on guys. Yeah. Like, early January, as soon as January yeah. first pops off, just send the call to like Clark Hunt and Andy Reid. Um, he is a fiery coach. He would kind of be great for New York because He's so um, unfiltered in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think both from a player development perspective and from just the overall, what does it come to be in the spotlight in New York? First time head coach, the idea of like, hey, 
you have a young quarterback that maybe you'd want to develop or maybe you want to go in a different direction with somebody in the draft. The enemy is someone who is so thorough because one, he's a former NFL player, right? He was on yep. uh, the 1994 uh, San Diego Chargers that went to the Super Bowl. They obviously got smashed by the 49ers. <laughs> um, he is a big part of Aaron, uh, Adrian Peterson's success, right? So when AD had that 2000 yard season, a lot of that is tied to obviously a great offensive line and Eric Bieniemy just really reinforcing to him how good he could be with the fundamentals, with the framework of the offense. And it's a perfect pairing, I think, schematically to have a tough nose, football minded, knows the run game specifically, knows how to protect a quarterback. I don't know, a young yeah. asset that you've got to protect in Patrick Mahomes. He knows how to do all of that. And then you put that together with him learning the creativity that comes from Andy Reid's brain, the idea of how to get players open in space, the idea of how to like not overuse your players, but make sure that everybody feels that they're invested. Um, those are the best traits of Eric Bieniemy, which makes it kind of surprising still to this day that he has not been given an offer for a head coaching job, even though he's been through the cycle two years now. That's what I wanted to ask you about too, Nate, was the fact that it seems like the last two years, you mentioned so many interviews, including here in yeah. New York, um, and he continues to get kind of passed over. Now, I think two years ago, he was kind of the hot new name. So it he was making the rounds. But then for him to not get something last year, I mean, any insight? Is is he not a great interview? Is there any insight into why he's just been overlooked these last two years? I think simply a lot of it is, is you're right, Tim. The first year is like, do NFL owners even know Eric B. Right. And so a lot of that is you interview, you're kind of the dark horse. If you impress somebody, maybe they pass your name down a year from now. That was last year, right? And it also wasn't a fluke anymore. I mean, this was two years where he was the offensive coordinator. Yes, Patrick Mahomes is a is a football alien, I like to call him. But, <laughs> you know, Travis Kelsey has gotten better since, you know, Eric Bieniemy's been the offensive coordinator. So is Tyreek Hill, who's a more complete, you know, offensive weapon now than just a deep threat as a receiver. Um, they've cycled through a ton of running backs, um, whether it's Damian Williams, Le'Veon Bell is now involved. Sorry, Jets fans. <laughs> Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the phenom rookie. Um, you know, before all those guys, it was guys like Spencer Ware. Kareem Hunt was a big – the reason why Kareem Hunt was such a success as rookie year, I think, is a lot tied to, all right, well, Eric Bieniemy's one job as the former running backs coach was to make sure this guy could play at a high level for 16, you know, games. And they did that in a way that was really impressive. Um, but he's a running backs coach. And the cycle now has been, okay, well, we want the guy to call the plays and to be a quarterback coach, specifically coming from the offensive line. And Eric Bieniemy is a former running back. He's a former running backs coach. He's never been a quarterbacks coach before, but clearly he's involved in game plan. He's clearly involved in deciding what third down situations are. I think Andy lets him call most of the running plays for the short yardage plays, which, think, which I think people don't, fully realize and it's the situation of okay is it the right situation for eric does eric want to be commanded to have the same salary as some of the other coaches who are coming into the league in their first time and i also think too there's a sense of well i also have a great situation here right i don't want to leave andy reed and patrick mahomes and this is before they won a super bowl last year right like that was in january so they had not won a super bowl unless it works for me and ownership, and I know where the head, you know, where the development is going to go, the quarterback or the system, where my coaching staff is going to be built at. I think that's going to be a big question for owners come January. Like, who's going to be on your staff? Because can you post guys from Andy Reid's tree? Or are you going to have to make this from a new set of collection that of guys you really haven't worked with before? Um, but it's got to be the right fit because he obviously knows Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Damian Williams like a great offensive line in Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. It's hard to leave that if you are not fully confident in the opportunities that are available to you. I think the the one thing that would not necessarily scare me, but I think the one thing where I'm kind of like, I don't know it. And it's just that I right. not being familiar with it is that when you think about the Chiefs offense, when you think about offenses that that Andy Reid, even back when he was with the Eagles, and when he went, I mean, that, that offense is Andy Reid's offense. And – it's one of those where it's like, well, how much does the offensive coordinator for Andy Reid actually do? Like, you know, what I mean, 
in a yeah. much, much less successful stint, it's very similar to like Dowell Loggins and Adam Gates. Like it's Adam Gates' <laughs> offense, yeah. and then Dowell Loggins kind of works with the quarterback. Obviously, far less successful than what's going on in Kansas City, but a similar kind of dynamic in a very, very black and white sense. So yeah. with the enemy, I mean, what does how much does he have to do with the offense? You kind of touched upon it, like calling the third, the rushing plays involved. In, I mean, wh- how much is he involved in that offensive play calling? And how much have you seen his growth within that even expand as these guys? Because Doug Peterson was there. He's obviously gone on to Philly and other guys have moved on. I mean, how much has his role expanded as those opportunities have presented themselves? It's such a great question. And I feel like. I should tell Eric all these answers because they're the best case for him. But Mm -hmm. I think it's a legitimate question, right? He's going to have to answer this come January. The idea is that we have two recent examples. It's Matt Nagy in Chicago. It's Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Well, which one is Eric Bieniemy mostly tied to? I feel like he's most more closer to Doug Peterson. Now the results are better because obviously the Eagles won a Super Bowl. They had a stack roster that team really came together in its run from a chemistry standpoint that BNB always talks about is like it's more than just the players themselves but can they actually work together for the betterment of the team can they fight for one another in a way that is obviously impressive than just looking at the team on paper Matt Nagy was creative but that sort of put him in a bind because obviously he hasn't had the right quarterback play and his play calling has been questionable at times yeah to the least because it's like hey man um, you can do that if you have like all pro talent on the on the entire field. You no, not every team has that. Not every team has the Chiefs sort of roster. So I think Peterson has done a better job about accentuating the talent that he has. You know, meshing the lineups, the offense to the benefit of the team. But I think ultimately he's really good with Patrick Mahomes in terms of protecting the football. Like Andy Reid wants to throw it a ton. And that's okay. Everybody understands that. But one thing I know Bienemy talked to him last year, particularly after the knee injury, is the best way that this team can win is if they don't turn the ball over. And Patrick Mahomes' turnover ratio has gone down every single year. Yeah. It's wild. But for the amount of times they want to pass a football and the idea that Eric Bienemy is fully invested into the, the analytics side of this, because this happened, I think, over the last year. He's or a so, big analytics guy. Where he, yeah, where Eric has actually acknowledged it. And I think I wrote it in The Athletic in June during a coaching summit for minority coaches where Eric basically says, like, I'm a running backs coach. Like, I want to run the football. Like, I want to show dominance. I want to move people to get the ball downfield. Y'all, we passed the football more on first down than any other team in the NFL last year because, duh, it's back. (laughs) Why would I do anything else? The analytics say this. We have the team to do that. Like, why would I be opposed to it? The brilliance of the enemy is, if you look at that Monday night football game against the Ravens earlier this year, they killed the Ravens in short yard situations. They threw a touchdown pass to a fullback, Anthony Sherman, and then they threw a touchdown to left tackle Eric Fisher. That play is specifically designed by Eric Bien-Aimé. Um, So Andy Reid lets guys tinker with plays, come up with ideas, and then when you have the right matchup, he sort of lets guys get to take their shots. And Bienemy's had a couple of those over the time that I've covered the team. And they've gone really well because you have great talent, you have great players. But I think for Bienemy, a lot of it is he's trending more towards football's analytical yeah. side, but he's also given all those old school principles that have let the team not be, you know, combative where there's only one football, but yet the Chiefs really do like one another when they play, and it's not just because they win. It's because the coaching staff makes it a point that relationships is just as important as obviously the X. He, um, he's obviously the running back coach. He played running back. But does he have – does he work weekly with Mahomes? Like, is that something where he's – he's because I know if if he ends up being hired by the yeah. Jets it and the Jets' season goes the way that it looks like it's headed, they're going to have Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence is going to be this team's quarterback in 2021 – they're going to need somebody that knows what they're doing at quarterback and it, or with a quarterback. And it doesn't necessarily need to be the head coach. I mean, they can have Eric Bieniemy, who then right. hires a quarterback coach, who then hires a quarterback-minded offensive I mean, it can go that route. But does he have and has Andy, I guess, in a way, worked with him to kind of uh, expand his knowledge of quarterback play and, and kind of get him to that point? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I think he has mostly because – and if you watch the Chiefs game on Sunday, this is for any Jets fan. CBS will show a shot. They usually do 
where whether the team scores or whether the team doesn't, um, it's usually a three-man meeting. It's Patrick Mahomes on the bench with Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. Bieniemy most of the time will go through that last progression of plays, that last drive. Here's what we liked. Here's what we didn't like. You missed this. You missed that. Do you think this sets up this for later? And then it's up to Andy Reid to decide, okay, what do me and Patrick want to do that me and Eric have already put together that we're going to do on the next drive? It's interesting because not every coaching staff does this where the head coach just says, oh, they're, they're playing defense. Okay, I'm just going to go over here and talk to the quarterback in a way that's like really weird. But they talk throughout the entire game of, okay, we like this. We don't like that. Hey, hey, Patrick, I think you really need to throw the ball to Le'Veon here if there's a hot route coming from a backside blitz. Um, here's an idea for Jets fans. Um, get the number one pick, hire Eric Bieniemy, and then find a way for him to get Mike Kafka to be his offensive coordinator. Gotcha. Mike Kafka is the quarterback's coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. He has been with Patrick Mahomes the day they drafted him. So – Obviously, Matt Nagy goes to the Bears. They draft Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy basically handpicked Mike Kafka, a former NFL quarterback, backup mostly, to be the quarterback coach for Patrick Mahomes. He worked with him all as a rookie. They brought him obviously along as now a MVP starter. Um, and the perception here in Kansas City is, well, Eric Bieniemy is already going to be gone, right? He's already going to get a head yeah. coaching job somewhere, whether that's Atlanta, whether that's New York, whether that's Detroit, if their season goes off the rails a little bit. Um, and it's just assumed here in Kansas City that Mike Kafka will replace Bienemy as the offensive coordinator, as the next heir apparent to be the next head yep. coach. Bienemy will have to fight tooth and nail, I think, to convince Andy Reid otherwise. <laughs> but it would be smart to say, hey, here was a quarterback coach who specifically worked with Patrick Mahomes on scout team between week one and week 16 of his entire rookie season before he ever took a real NFL snap. And he's been with me the whole time. Like, let me bring him aboard. Let's do basically the same thing we've already been doing in Kansas City. You'll shift it a little bit based on the players and the offense that they want to run. But it would be wise for his coaching staff to be in place to where he knows somebody that he's worked with before. They obviously have a good rapport together. And a lot of people in the league thought that Kaka was going to be the offensive coordinator last yeah. offseason. But Andy Reid and Biennemi kind of and the aftermath of the enemy not getting a job convinced him to get a little more, a little more bump and pay, a little more, I guess, you know, prestige title where you're like offensive passing yeah. program, whatever they give you analysts now. But he's doing the same thing, he's just getting more money. But that would be, I think, a smart thing where if you're an owner, you say, Well, that guy worked with Patrick Mahomes. So did that guy. Why don't I hire yeah. both of them and see if we can replicate it in some manner if you do get a Trevor Lawrence in the draft? All right, Nate, we have a lot of good questions for you in the chat, but we have to start with Mr. Le'Veon Bell. Um, this one's from Hu Mayun. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. How has Le'Veon adjusted to the new offense behind the scenes? Um, it's It's been fascinating because uh, little insider, you know, Le'Veon was going to pick between either the you know, Dolphins, his, you know, his town, town where he lives in the offseason, or he's going to pick the Chiefs. Um, Andy Reid's made it clear, dude, don't mess anything that we got going. So be in your playbook, study, hang out with Chris Jones, your good friend on defense. Um, he's been really deferential to the rest of the guys in the locker room. I think that's important, even for someone of a veteran status. And then it came out that Le'Veon reached out to Clyde Rizalaire, that he was the one to initiate the contact and say, Hey, I'm thinking about signing with the team. I don't want to necessarily, you know, step on your toes because you're probably going to be one of the leading candidates to be rookie of the year. I just want to win, man. I just want to have fun. I just want to win football games, have fun, and like maybe be a you know mini 10-week mentor before we go into the playoffs. So behind the scenes, a lot of the guys have liked him so far. Travis Kelsey says that it's been really fun to get to know Le'Veon because you, you're starting to see his football mind. Because I think a lot of guys in the league know who he is from his talents, but something went wrong with the Jets. Connor probably has all the answers. We don't need to rehash that. But it looks like, at least as of now, you know, nine days into this experiment, it's gone. It's gone pretty well with the understanding that like he's just got to learn Andy Reid's playbook as quickly as he can, and that's obviously going to be a challenge. All right, we got another question about another old Jets friend. This one is from Jaden. He says, Nate. 
Just as a fan watching, it is insane to see Kaleche Osemele dominate in the first game of the year. Though he's been hurt, how much of a surprise is he compared to what happened in New York? Look, y'all. Look, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. Again, I'm praying for y'all from a football standpoint. Because, like, you don't see, like, we had no preseason games, right? Because right. of the whole COVID situation. So it's like, cool, like, a lot of Chiefs fans were like, well, wasn't he good with the Raiders? And he was, like, in a conflict with the Jets. And, like, did they screw up his shoulder? Who knows? <laughs> How did it go medically? So I'm just thinking on opening night, like, just protect Patrick. Like, you don't have to be special. Um, and he mauled the, the the Houston Texans. Now, the Texans are not good. <laughs> well, that has been proven through eight weeks. They ain't good. But, like, oh, similarly, like, people in Kansas City are like, can we re-sign him for next year? It's like he blew out both his knees. I don't know, guys. Can he just get healthy first? But it is wild that, like, what's more painful? It might be Osimile because that dude was good regardless of the situation outside of the Jets. Yeah. Like. Anywhere else. Yeah, anywhere else he was pretty good. Like, <laughs> like I'm so. Like, it, it, it pays me to acknowledge that, yes, that, 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 that has to suck. Um, he, he hasn't been put on the injured reserve list, like the long-term one, but I think he's probably done for the year. It's unfortunate, but he was he was saying in training camp because obviously you go through reps with Patrick and you're like, did y'all see that like he went to his right, like threw the ball, <laughs> like dagging across the field, 80 yards? Anybody see that? Anybody? And like, again, reporters, coaching staff, teammates, they're like, yeah, that's Tuesday. Like that's all he does. Like, what do you what do you mean? Like, oh, oh you you're new here. Oh, okay. Sorry, Kalechi, you're new. But he was losing his mind in camp. That's what I'll always remember about him beyond just destroying the the, the Houston Texans in front of everybody. <laughs> that's funny because I'm sure Connor has the same memories, right, Connor? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jake Heaps used to do that all the time, and Christian Hackenberg. Yeah, I've, we'll, we'll we'll trade war stories at the combine next year, Nate. I'll, I you think you've seen quarterback play, my friend? Just, just wait. It's, it's, I mean, I did go from like Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes, which is fine. I mean, Alex Smith, Pro Bowl player, but it, it ain't the same. It ain't the same as much. I, I was there when Bryce Petty finally learned how to read defenses in Madden. That's what I was there for, man. That's what I was there for. I don't know about these back, these behind the back 80 yard bombs. You find me when your quarterback learns how to read Madden defenses. That's when, uh, oh, that's when I got you. Man, that's, that's, that's sad. <laughs> So Nate, the spread, uh, the spread on this one. Before we let you go, you know it started high. It's still high, nineteen and a half, I think. Um, knowing this Chiefs team, and they can obviously light it up like no other team. Do you think that's an easy cover, or do you think they overlook the Jets a little, and this thing stays within that range? Yeah, it's it's funny because like I've been talking about this for a while. I don't see Andy Reid running up the score unless the Jets are like completely I don't inept. know if he would need to though. Yeah. <laughs> like some people but like I, I think some fans are like, well, yeah, the line should be 21 and a half. Did right. you see what they did to the Broncos? And I thought the Broncos were going to be like kind of all right this year. Um they're going to need something similar to happen, right? You're going to need a pick six. You're going to need a kickoff return for a touchdown. Like, things that Andy can't control, <laughs> where it's just like, hey, stop, stop. I, I mean, nobody's preventing you from getting the ends on. Okay, yeah. fine. But, like, outside of that, like, my prediction's been 30-13, like, something where it's like, you know, it was never in doubt, but it wasn't like Adam Gase needs to, like, you know, start looking for, you know, homes immediately. <laughs> uh, but – but yeah, Andy really doesn't really run up the score unless he dislikes you. And so at least Adam Gase has not turned into Jack Del Rio. <laughs> um, I'll never forget. It was the I think it was the 2017 season where like uh Del Rio, who was I think with the Raiders, was like, you know, it's a real gimmicky offense. And Andy took that very personal <laughs> and just threw deep shots after deep shots with guys like Chris Conley back then. And so as long as Adam hasn't said anything, which I don't think he has so far, I think it'll be a respectable double-digit loss, if that makes uh, sense. It makes sense to me. I've seen a lot of those. Actually, I should actually say I've seen very few of those. The only double-digit losses. It's been uh, triple digits, basically, is what we're nearing at this point, man. It's been <laughs> been a little ugly. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks so much for coming on, Nate. I know the Jets fans here appreciate it, too, getting to see a little insight into the guy that hopefully could be 
could be the next head coach next year. If you liked listening to Nate here, he's got his own podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Check him out along with Seth Kaiser, Josh Briscoe. It's the Times Hours podcast. It's another great one here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Thanks a lot, Nate. Thanks, man. Thank you so much. Just send emails to the Johnson family, texts, phone calls, whatever. <laughs> like, please, just, just interview Eric Miedemi and see what happens. <laughs> Thanks, Nate. See you, man. See you, guys. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Nate was great. That was awesome. I mean, he's, uh, I remember meeting him. That's kind of the cool thing about when I, when I joined the athletic is that I went from working at the star ledger, which is local. Like it's, it's a Jersey paper. So the majority of the people that I knew were, you know, our Rutgers guys and our giants guys and our Eagles guys. But when I went to, uh, the athletic and being able to meet all these people nationally and, and the people that covered the chiefs, you know, going, going and, and meeting our, uh, Texans guy, like he mentioned Aaron Rice, like he's one of, I love Aaron. Um, just people like that around is one of the coolest things. Nate was one of the first guys I met. He, what you saw on the podcast. I mean, he is one of the most genuinely nice guys I've ever met. Like he's just so down to earth, super good guy. Uh, and really, really plugged in to the Kansas city sports scene. I mean, you have people sometimes that cover teams that are, you know, they're, they're not, you don't really know all of it. You know, they're kind of covering or they're new to the scene. So they're still learning. Nate is plugged in. I mean, that guy's got his finger on the pulse of that team. So whatever he says about it, I mean, take it to the bank. I mean, you can take that thing to heart about whatever that guy says about that team. And so hearing him kind of give Eric that vote of confidence, hearing him talk about the ins and outs of what Eric does weekly, I think it was super insightful and and certainly kind of backed my opinion of, you know what, what kind of, you know, would Eric really be a fit? Would he be the right thing here? I mean, after listening to him, I mean, if you can go with that, Eric, and I never even thought of Kapka, like going and, and pairing those two yeah. guys. I mean, I think that would be, that would certainly turn this Jets, this Jets situation around and turn it around quick. All right. So Connor put out a message on Twitter today for people to tweet me their questions. Did that work? How many did you get? Were, were, did you get a lot? I got a lot. <laughs> I got a lot um, because as we referred to back in the beginning of the podcast, you know, I'm just like the hype girl behind everything Connor does. But anyway, Marissa has now turned off her Twitter notification. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about the offensive line. Well, what the Jets lost in Kalecha Osemele, but let's talk a little bit about the Jets current offensive line. This one is from Nolan Rich. Is there any chance we see Cameron Clark get some playing time on the offensive line? Really liked him coming out of college and the skill set he showed at Charlotte. Do you think he could play inside over Van Roten or will they try him at right tackle? Uh no, they're not gonna go at right. They like they like Fant. They like the Jets like George Fon. I mean he's not he hasn't necessarily done everything they wanted. He's kind of coming along, taking so. Oh, we got a double dog, double dipping dog. Tim's got his own pup in the in the picture now. But um, no, I, I think he's he's a guard. He's not he's not going to be playing tackle. He's going to be a guard. And and the one that I think you would see him replace is Van Roten. The Jets aren't going to get rid of Lewis. Like unless Alex Lewis gets hurt, which is always a possibility with him. The Jets aren't going to bench Alex Lewis. I mean, he's going to be the team's starting left guard. The one where I could see see them making a change is with Van Roten. Although Greg's played better the last three weeks, obviously there's still some concerns there with his play. There's still some issues there with his play. He still hasn't, he's been better, but he still hasn't been good. Um, I don't think that Clark is in contention to start this week or maybe even next week. I think he's still at the position right now where he's still getting acclimated to the NFL speed. Remember, he missed a chunk of training camp with a knee. Then he hurt his shoulder, so he wasn't practicing during the regular season. He's still kind of getting himself going, but he is somebody that I think will be the next guy in that lineup. If, if this line keeps struggling, if Van Roten keeps struggling, then I think you'll, you'll see Clark start to get some reps. And, and once he shows in practice he's ready, they'll, they'll put him out there, yeah. 
All right, Vincent says, "Hi, Marissa. <laughs> how much responsibility Hi, does the <laughs> how much responsibility does the O line's poor performance fall on the O line coach? Last year, same issue. Former players on O line succeeding elsewhere. Maybe he's the problem. I think. I mean, look, we'll know next year because you're going to have a new head coach. Right. You're going to have a new offensive. We'll know when these guys go to another team and start playing well. Yeah, or that. Like, or That's. I think the biggest thing for me was like." <laughs> I remember talking to people over there about Brandon Shell, and when the Jets pulled the plug on Shell and they put in uh, Chuma, it was like you know Shell is just he's kind of just a guy that's there. He's like the stationary roadblock. You know, he's not really that great. And Chuma's a guy we believe has potential here, so we're gonna play him. We're gonna get the rookie some playing time. And you know, I watched that Seattle game last week because I had it bet, and I kept watching like Shell. I was like, oh, I forgot. I forgot Brandon Shell played for the Seahawks. And I, in my head at that moment, I was like, you know, the Seahawks are a really good football team. And they're always a really good football team. And they felt it was okay to let George Fant go and then replace him with Brandon Shell. And in my head, I was like, that's probably, there's probably a reason for that. And I was like, that's, that doesn't, that's not a, it's a little concerning, in my opinion, if I was the Jets. <laughs> and uh, I'm watching Shell. He played really well. Like, he had a really good game. And that was a good Cardinal team. I know Chandler Jones was not, but that's a good Arizona team. And I, I think it, at some point, when you see the breakdowns happen, Every single week with the Jets, you know, where like Alex Lewis is supposed to help McGovern and then go to this guy and he just doesn't do it. And and McGovern is supposed to be here and instead he's there. And Fant is supposed to have this wider stance taken out the, the outside linebacker who's rushing and instead he sucked inside helping Van Roten. Like when all of these things happen and it's the same stuff just with different players that happened last year and now it's happening again this year. Eventually, in my opinion, the way that I view it is like, maybe it's not the play. Maybe it's just like, if all these players keep making these mental errors and they're now new players making the same mental errors that the last, last year's players make, like, in my opinion, it's like, like you're either asking them to do something they can't do, or they just don't understand what you're asking them to do. Either way, it's an issue. You're either asking them to do something they can't, or they don't know what you're telling them to do. And, and I think that eventually does happen to be the messenger the messenger no yeah the messenger not necessarily the receiver you know what i mean like it's i think it is the way that it's being explained that's causing all of these issues for for these guys and and i think it might be pollock i was kind of surprised to see that the jets didn't go that route i was also extremely surprised that the jets didn't just throw a boatload of money at bill callahan who was the ended up going to the browns like that guy is viewed as one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL. I mean, everywhere that guy goes, he has success. And I know there was a little bit of animosity and bad blood with Callahan when he was with the Jets the last time. It didn't matter. Like, this was a new coach. Fire Frank Pollock and just literally hand Callahan a check and say, write whatever number you want down on it and come be our offensive line coach. And instead, the Jets decided to keep Frank Pollock and they're rolling in again. And, and I don't know how much of the blame should go on Pollock's shoulders. I don't know how much of the blame should go on Gase's shoulders. I don't know, but... I do think that there is a a coaching issue, and that's why you're seeing these issues on the offensive line. Because when I watch the film and when I figure out what's going wrong, when people tell me what's going wrong, it's just like I don't understand why it's all still happening. Like I don't understand why for the 20th week in a row, the right tackle still doesn't know that he's supposed to be outside, and instead he sucked in. Like I just don't I don't get it. And then you know you can say it's the players, but then when Brandon Shell goes to Seattle and he's not making those mistakes, or Osemele goes to Kansas City and he's not making those mistakes, or all of these things happen. It's just for me, it's like there's there's an underlying thing there. There's something underlying there. And, and I don't know what it is, but I think I think a, a large portion of it is coaching. I do. And again, you'll have it confirmed next year when there's, like I said, new head coach, new offensive line coach, new everything. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. All right, so this question is from Gus. You've talked a lot about covering a losing team, but I actually don't think we've ever asked you this question, yeah. Connor. Did you ever consider changing teams or changing sports? Uh, no, nah, it's new. Oh, we're getting personal. Uh, yeah. not sports. I don't, no. I don't, 
<laughs> I don't think we've we've you've brought this up before. Yeah, so I've I'm, actually I'm people have asked me that. Like people have said like it's basically like have the Jets made you consider your life? <laughs> yeah, right, basically yeah. With that have they beat you is. down so bad you want to leave? <laughs> no, uh, I would never switch sports. Football is my thing. Like football is my favorite sport when I was a kid. That's all I've ever wanted. Like when I was a kid, I wanted to be a beat writer in a major publication. Like that's what I wanted to do, and I just wanted, and it was football. There you go. Yeah, right? Yeah. Not co- like I don't know if like eventually someday I want to go like columnist route or go full-time TV. I don't know, but it was always football. Like football was the sport I wanted to do. As far as team, like I've always said like to me that was the goal was be an uh, NFL beat writer at a major publication was what I want. It didn't matter the team. It did not matter where I wanted to go. Um I think part of me is like would I switch teams? If I switch teams, it would literally be just because someone else offered me more money to go cover that team. Like that would cause me to switch. A little bit of me was like, man, it would kind of be cool to go back home and and cover like the Eagles, not as an Eagles fan, but just because it is so much cheaper to live in South Jersey than Central and North Jersey. And like now that I'm looking to buy a house, like that is definitely a concern that's on my mind. Um, But no, like like for me, I think what's what's cool is that I've I've covered the Jets since 2014. And what's cool is that when you cover a team for that long, while I've switched outlets where I've gone from about.com and the journal inquirer to scout.com to the USA today sports media group to the star ledger. And then eventually the athletic, well, I've changed outlets. I've still covered the same team. So when something happens with the jets, because I've been here so long, I know people within the organization that I can call to get the facts. So like when something happens, the cool thing, and I think one of the things that the athletic likes and what I think fans like is that when the jets do something because I've been here so long and I have the relationships within the building that I do, I can call people and say like, Hey, can you just explain to me what just happened? Can you explain to me why this happened? And it allows me to write stories that if I switch teams, if I went home to like South Jersey and cover the Eagles, or if I went to cover the Giants, or if I went to cover the Panthers or the Patriots or the Chiefs, you know, anywhere like that, like I wouldn't have, it would take me six years to build the relationships that I have now. You know what I mean? So like, I like the fact that I cover the Jets and I know so many people here that when I want to write something, when I want to know something, I know who I need to call, who's going to give me the truthful answers and I can write a really informative story. So no, I mean, the Jets beat you down with losing and, and I do want to cover a Super Bowl. I want to cover a championship. I want to cover a winner, but no, like I'm not at a point where I'm like, just get me out of here. Send me, send me to cover the Tampa Bay Rays, please. No, I'm not, I'm not there. I, I do, I do genuinely like covering this team and, and it's cool getting to know fans and stuff too, where you go on Twitter and you see people in your mentions that I've known since I was, you know, covering the, like for about.com, like people that were following me then that are still following me now. I think it's cool. I don't think the birds with friends guys are going to let you join their show. <laughs> but that would really come full <laughs> yeah, circle. Yeah, I, I hear their producer is really uh, strict. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Marissa would put that. We have these we have these uh, athletic reviews coming in, and Marissa has to review me. And I, uh, I I'm curious what that what that one's going to say. After today's all yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to read Marissa's Marissa's peer review of what it's like to work with Connor. The opening graph. Where do I begin? <laughs> <laughs> gonna be the longest period. She's gonna be the ever. only one that exceeds uh, the word count. Everyone tries to get him done and down. Marissa's like, "Can I have another 500 words, please?" <laughs> uh, all right, we got one more. This one from says he says, "Should Trevor Lawrence's comments this week worry Jets fans at all?" No. Like, what if Trevor Lawrence came out and said, "I'm entering the NFL draft"? Well, like, basically, you're telling me he's quitting on Clem. They're the number one ranked team in the country. This is a this is a team that's going to be competing for a national championship, a BCS national championship. If Trevor Lawrence came out and said, "I'm leaving," which I don't really recall any, like Tua didn't come out straight up and say he was leaving. Like a bunch of these juniors don't come out and say, "I'm leaving." Like they make their they it's kind of known they're leaving, but you they make it known formally after the year. They don't just come out and say, "I'm going pro." Like Joe Burrow didn't even do that, and they don't do it because it like kind of shows you're quitting on your team you know like there's cut like we have like christian mccaffrey when he opted out and he didn't play in the the random bowl game like that's different but like as a quarterback you don't say like i'm definitely declaring because it's just kind of like a it's a it's a slap in the face to your other teammates so no i wouldn't i wouldn't read much into it again this is a guy that he's going to be in the draft he's going to declare for the draft he's going to go into the draft and if the jets are picking number one he's going to be playing for the jets he's not going to pull a uh, a John Elway, you know, he doesn't play baseball. He doesn't have another option. He's not going to, he's not going to pull an Eli Manning who that was more money related and, and issues with the general manager. Like it's fine. Like every year, this is always the thing. If you're picking number one in the draft, your team sucks. You're not like 
the the New England Patriots aren't going to be picking number one. Like the the Kansas City Chiefs aren't going to be picking number one. Like these good teams aren't going to be picking number one. So you're always going to go to a team that sucks. And because people need stuff to talk about, it's an easy thing to debate. So no, I wouldn't read much into his comments. I wouldn't think too much in his comments. I wouldn't do any of that. Like just just let it be. Let it be. All right. Before we say goodbye, one more comment oh, just snuck in. Too. Steve, we do have to do picks. I do. We, yeah, picks quick. Steven Engel, though, says you can tell Marissa at the snap of a finger can turn into a meanie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You think <laughs> that is probably my all time favorite comment. Like, I've been recording like 30 minutes. I'm extra. an angel. I've been recording 30 minutes extra. You got to hear the audio. Oh, actually, it's only my end. I was going to say you have to hear the audio. Of, <laughs> Marissa almost threw a, a, a fit on me. Like, I made like one little joking comment about like, oh, it's Sorry, Marissa, I wanted to do this earlier today. I had 17 podcasts, six edits, <laughs> a peer review, and I cooked dinner. Oh, she was. I didn't cook dinner. I'm hangry, okay? Oh, that's I need to go eat. You're it's 8.22. Like You're just like Brie. All right, three, Connor, three picks in 90 seconds yeah, or less. You do yours in first. In 60 yours seconds. First. All right, I'll go first. Uh, Packers, minus six and a half versus Minnesota. I, I didn't really get the spread there. I don't know why the Packers are only minus six and a half. I think they win by at least the touchdown. Yes. Uh, maybe the game of the week is Steelers at Ravens. I'm going to take the Steelers with the plus four. They'll at least keep it close in Baltimore. And then finally, I'm going back to the Seahawks. I've been on that wagon for a while, but skipped them the last couple of weeks. Seahawks minus three at home against the Niners, who, yeah, they look great against the Patriots, but the Patriots seem like kind of a sinking ship. So Mariners minus three. Connor, what do you? Mariners. Yeah, whoa, baseball oh, boy. Whoa, Seahawks. Whoa, Seahawks, whoa. I was about to say like, oh, I mean, we give, we do give, you, I give you a little slack. Never take the Mariners for like by ten the way. years. Like you're fine. Yeah. You cover baseball for a minute. Wait, you went Packers, Steelers, Seahawks. Wait, yeah. hold on. Yeah, Before this game kicks off, I'm no. I, I'm picking the Panthers minus two, just so I can make sure, unlike make Connor, that, that my pick make... is in before oh, that before game. Kickoff. Okay. I was gonna yeah. make that joke. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm literally like on the Tim bandwagon with this one because I also have the Packers minus six and a half. Uh, like that spread doesn't. I think they can win by two touchdowns. Like that's the they're playing yeah. the Vikings, right? Yeah, the Vikings are awful. Yeah. I know. Well, I, you know what? You know why it's lower? It's probably because Dalvin Cook's coming back. But no, give me the Packers minus six and a half. I love that spread. Uh, I'm not sold on the Ravens this year. I, I just, there's, there's something about them that like Lamar Jackson's still amazing. I love Harbaugh, but like, there's just something about that team that I know they got Yannick now. So the pass rush is going to be good, but there's something about them that I'm just not sold on. And the Steelers keep winning. That defense is nasty. Big Ben keeps getting better as he, as he keeps getting back. The offense is good. John, uh, James Conner looks like he's back to the, the player he was, uh, two years ago. Everything's rocking and rolling. Uh, so definitely take the Steelers, and then I'm riding the Seahawks. I think they're going to have a big bounce. Wait, hold back. on. Hold on. What? We have to interrupt. Trevor Lawrence has tested positive for COVID-19, according to Mike Garofolo and Ian Rappaport. Boy, that's one way to get okay. out of playing for the Jets. <laughs> wow, how about Terrible. that? And I will give it to our amazing chat because I didn't have Twitter up, and somebody wrote it in the chat, and that was Louie. Shout out to Louie for alerting us of that. So. Um, Yes, yeah, so I mean you expect that really. Players get it. Like he's gonna get it. Yeah. And he's, I mean, you it's obviously 20, hope that he, it's nothing serious. Yeah, he he should be fine. Um, yeah. So that's big. I mean, that's it's one thing is he got it. Like it's though. people are gonna get it. Like it's it's you know what I mean. Like it's it's big because he's a huge name. But I don't think it's uh it's a matter of how much time he's yeah, gonna miss. And is we... it a false positive too? That's the other thing. Yeah, I worry if it's a false positive. A lot of yeah. uh, yep. a lot of things to unpack. Um, yeah, my last pick was the Seahawks, just because I think they're gonna win. And I'm just riding them because I love I I love the Seahawks. I like that. I just love that team. I think they're they're so fun to watch. I love Russell Wilson. Like I love. I wish they would bring back Marshawn again because I loved Marshawn Lynch. Like I just I think that team's just fun, and they'll have a big bounce back after that uh, heartbreaking loss that uh, cost me a fantasy football win as well with those three Russell picks. Marissa. Uh, um. So like I said, I got my pick in before eight twenty. Um. Just because I didn't want to be like pull a Connor and pick that game like literally after it ended. Um, so Panthers minus two. I'm going Browns minus two and a half versus the Raiders. And I don't like always picking the same picks as you guys, but I also have Packers minus six and a half versus the Vikings. So we're Sweep all with the back. Packers. All on Green Bay. Yeah. All right. This has been a, an eventful show. Thanks to Nate Taylor for joining us. He was tremendous. Uh, the inside look at Eric the enemy and that Kansas City team and uh, – 
that's what you watch this weekend. All these young players for the Jets, and then keep your eye on the sideline for the Chiefs and see what the enemy's up to. Good stuff there. Um, if you don't follow us on Twitter, Connor's at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. I'm at Tim M McMaster. Marissa's at Marissa underscore Morris. Have a great day or night, everybody. Follow us on or subscribe to us if you haven't yet on Apple and give us a great review as well. We'll talk to you again next time. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.